Hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the third episode of Witchling Wandering, a Seekers podcast. I'm your host, Zarzamora Star Dragon, and I'm currently drinking some Warnings Eggnog, uh, which comes all the way from Holland with the alcohol already put into it. Um, let's see. So a funny thing happened the day after I uploaded that last episode about self-healing. I went to the doctor to get some results for um, a recent CAT, sca- a CAT scan that I had because I lost my sense of smell back in June, and uh, they've been doing some research on what could be the reason behind that. And the doctor had originally thought that I had a uh, cyst in my sinuses, but when he looked at the CAT scan, he immediately decided to refer me to a neurosurgeon because he said that I had a pituitary tumor. So, (laughs) up until yesterday when I talked to the neurosurgeon, who completely disagreed with that diagnosis, said that there is no tumor on the scan, that the other doctor didn't know what he was talking about, I've been sort of in a crisis (laughs) in my own life. So, um... I really felt like I handled it pretty well. Um, I found myself joking around a lot about it. I gave it a name. I named it Lump. It was very cute. Um, but I started really thinking about um, what exactly, where exactly the self lies. You know, I think uh, you know, we talk, think about the soul. And then there's also, I guess I have a lot of feelings about the brain being a big part of who you are in terms of your identity or how you present yourself to the world, what your personality is like. I just imagine that your brain has a lot to do with that. So it was really an interesting week where all of my priorities shifted. I stopped reading and listening to the news. I stopped caring about world events. I started thinking about making a will. (laughs) You know, it was an interesting, it was an interesting experience. But turns out, according to the neurosurgeon, that I don't have, I don't have one after all. And even if I had had one, it wasn't a death sentence or anything. It would it would have just possibly required surgery through my nose up into my head, <laughs> and could have left me with some damage. So I am lucky, and I thank the gods for that. And uh, what else? So now I'm readjusting to the new reality, which is the old reality, which is I don't have a tumor. <laughs> um. Let's see. I did receive an email from um, from a listener named Heather uh, regarding last week's topic on healing, and I'd like to read that to you after a short break. Before I go, though, I'd like to tell you about a very excellent idea I ran across. Uh, it's a new forum site uh, called Pagan Podcast Forums, and the website address is www.paganpodcastforums.com. And I think it's a wonderful idea because... There are so many crossover listeners between the different pagan podcasts, and I just think it would be really great to have a single site where we can converse with each other across the forums uh, for different podcasts. Um, so far, the website uh, contains Borealis Meditation, a form for them, and also a form for inciting a riot. And um, the forums aren't very active yet. They're still sort of in the beginning stages. Uh, but I would really love to encourage you guys to join up and uh, start discussions, participate in discussions there. And um, for any podcasters who happen to listen to this, I would highly recommend joining a forum there. Um, I think it's great to ha- have every person as an island unto themselves with their own group of li- listeners and their own group of 
responders who've registered for their specific sites and all that. But I think it's really, really convenient for listeners who listen to more than one pagan podcast to be able to go to one place and discuss subjects that come up on the different podcasts. So I think it's an awesome idea, um, and it makes a lot of sense. And um, I'd just be really happy to see it take off. And I have uh, been accepted to the forums as well. They aren't up yet, uh, but they should be soon. And I feel just really honored to be a part of it because I think it's a great idea. And I'm I'm looking forward to participating as much as a listener to the other podcasts as I would, or probably more as a listener than as a podcaster. Um, but I just really wanted to recommend that site, and I hope that you guys join. I think it would be awesome because right now there's just not very many people there yet, but when, when there are, it'll be a really nice place. The, both Borealis Meditation and Inciting a Riot are just like really intelligent podcasts and they have a lot of just really meaty subject matter that you can just dig into. And um, I think that's cool. And I'd love to see some other podcasts join, like the people I play their little promos. I love them. Um, I would just really love to see some, some more of those. I, I wish Appalachian Witch Doctor would join. I wish... New World Witchery would join. I wish, oh gosh, I wish they'd all join just because it would make me really, really happy. But anyway, until that day, I will live. Um, okay, uh, so let's take a short break and then I'm going to read Heather's email regarding her own healing practices. Be right back. Hello. I'm Quarry. And I'm Lane. And we're the hosts of New World Witchery, the search for American traditional witchcraft. If you're looking for a show about magic, specifically North American folk magic, then come check us out. Some of the subjects we'll be covering are hoodoo and root work, powwow, New Orleans-style voodoo, Appalachian granny magic, Ozark mountain magic, brujeria and curanderismo, and New England witchery. In addition, we'll be having discussions about things like effective spellcrafting, spellcrafting successes and failures, Magic for oneself and magic for others, magical terminology, hexing, and being in or out of the broom closet. If that sounds like the show for you, come find us at newworldwitchery.wordpress.com or find us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And be well. I'm Dee, your hostess and guide on the journey that we call Pagan FM. Changes are afoot, and beginning August 19th, you'll be able to find Jasper and me every Thursday night from 10 to midnight, followed by two hours of pure pagan music on WSCA LP 106.1 FM, Portsmouth. You can find the podcast on Zoom, Stitcher, and iTunes, and you can hear us on the Pagan Radio Network every Wednesday. Pagan FM, just one of over 50 great shows that are part of the Proud Pagan Podcasters. Hi, this is Chris Orpello from The Infinite and the Beyond. The Infinite and the Beyond is an esoteric podcast for the introspective pagan mind. Join us as we explore a variety of topics that relate to life and one's unique spiritual journey. Episodes center on paganism, the occult, parapsychology, science, society, and culture in the 21st century. We can be found at www.infinite-beyond.com. From there, you can contact the show directly, visit our forum, and find links for the show and where we can be found online for you to subscribe and download. 
I hope to be hearing from you soon. Mary Park, blessed be, and 93. Welcome back. As promised, um, here is the email I received from Heather. And thank you very much, Heather. I very much appreciate your sending it. Um, all right, here it is. And practices I have taken up myself, dream journaling slash journaling and meditation have been the strongest mechanisms I have used in, the, in, the, in conjunction with each other. Physically, exercising, specifically walking slash jogging, I find very helpful. I find witchcraft very healing as well. I find it in it connections with my daily life, working, cleaning, time with my daughter, time for myself on many levels. Washing dishes is now a way to bless my kitchen. Honor those implements which help to nourish my body and in turn nourish my spirit. With the last new moon, I began an experiment of choosing my meals slash teas based not only on the season but the moon phase as well. My intention is to see if this helps me be more conscious of the foods I eat and see if I can detect any changes in my body by following the moon cycle. Thanks for the mention of nettle tea. Have not tried that one and will need to Google it. I have also found healing in gardening. Once again, I love the idea of cycles. This has helped me to see my life as something akin to a cycle, more like a spiral, a cycle which continues to grow. The words are coined by Mary Daly, and they make so, so much sense I adopted them. So thank you, Heather, very much for your email. Um, I really love what you said about washing the dishes. I tend to think of washing dishes as an odious task, uh, but I think if I, I thought about it like you do, as honoring the implements which n help nourish your body and nourish your spirit, I think that I'd probably enjoy the process more. So I thought that was a cool way of looking at it. Um, I should mention with the nettle tea that Amanda from Lion's Tooth Herbals does, I believe, have a proviso, proviso during her segment on Pagan FM um, that you should always consult with a healthcare provider, that she's not offering medical advice, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I also did notice with my box of nettle tea that it advises against giving the tea to people under the age of 12, and it also has a warning about possible allergic reaction. Um, now, I fell into a ditch of nettles in England when I was a kid, and it was like torture for quite a while. Just, uh, it was horrible. But um, I don't have any reaction to the nettle tea, so I was relieved because I was a little worried. I had Benadryl on hand just in case. I don't know if that would have helped, but um, but because I had such a bad nettle experience as a child, I thought that I would make sure I had some on hand. Um, let's see what else. Um, Anyway, I really love, I do, I really love the nettle tea. It sort of makes you feel well rested and relaxed and alert all at the same time. It just, it's a great feeling. So, um, okay, this is going to be a short episode. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to the topic of pagan renunciation after a short break. Um, so here we go. Hello, I'm Quarry. And I'm Lane. And we're the hosts of New World Witchery, the search for American traditional witchcraft. If you're looking for a show about magic, specifically North American folk magic, then come check us out. Some of the subjects we'll be covering are hoodoo and root work, powwow, New Orleans-style voodoo, Appalachian granny magic, Ozark mountain magic, brujeria and curanderismo, and New England witchery. 
In addition, we'll be having discussions about things like effective spellcrafting, spellcrafting successes and failures, magic for oneself and magic for others, magical terminology, hexing, and being in your out-of-the-broom closet. If that sounds like the show for you, come find us at newworldwitchery.wordpress.com or find us on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And be well. Witch Doctor Tales. If you like a little history and even a little science mixed in with your spiritual and magical practices, I have the podcast for you. Sure, it may seem a little odd at first, dispelling modern medical myths while discussing subjects such as Appalachian ghost stories and candle magic, but for this doctor by day, witch by night, it's the perfect fit. So go ahead, slip on your hiking boots, don your pointy hat, and dig out that old blood pressure cuff so you can join me for this pagan podcast. You can find me at AppalachianWitchDoctor.podbean.com or by searching for Appalachian Witch Doctor Tales on iTunes. I hope to see you soon, and until then, bright blessings. Marry me, I'm Brooke, and I'm the iPod Witch. The iPod Witch Podcast is based on one Wiccan witch's practices and experiences. Come join me for my podcast. The podcast is located at www.ipodwitch.com. Blessed be. Okay. For the pagan renunciation topic, I so far have gotten no feedback. Uh, So if you'd like to drop me an email, I would love to read it on the podcast. Um, And I'm just all ears. I'm curious about other people's choices with that. Uh, These are my own thoughts. I've already mentioned before that I've got attention deficit. And I pretty much always have multiple projects going on at once. And a lot of times that means I never finish those projects. Or I go very slowly on those projects. Um, There's that saying, "No, no servant can serve two masters and serve them both equally well something like that. I'm serving a lot more than two masters. Uh, Almost every time I do a tarot reading on myself, I get the Seven of Cups, which is the card of illusion. I tend to think this card means that it only appears that my options are many, but if I don't choose a path or choose the right path and forsake all the other paths, then none of the paths are really open. I know there are a lot of different interpretations to that card, but that's generally what I think when I see it. Um, So the fact that comes up for me a lot and the fact that I do have a history of not, I, you know, I don't, I don't think of myself exactly as a dabbler because I do come back to things. Uh, for example, with astrology, I will read everything I can possibly stand to read until my brain is full on astrology. And then I won't come back to it for about three years. And then I'll read everything, you know, by then the information will sunk in. And I'll have room for more information. So I'll go back and I'll read more and I'll kind of get a better understanding. I am certainly not an expert on astrology, but I feel like sort of a cyclical thing happens. Um, So I don't want to just insult myself and say I'm a dabbler. But 
I do think that there's something to be said for giving up some of your path paths in order to focus on fewer or perhaps one so that you can get really in there with that one. Um, let's see. Uh, so far in my own life, I haven't really practiced much pagan renunciation. Um, about five years ago, I did, I did give up having a TV in my house, which was a very explicit choice that I didn't want to waste my time with, you know, that sort of, sort of, uh, passive entertainment. And I also didn't want to be exposed to so many commercials. I really feel like, um, a lot of those commercials really give you a false sense of normalcy, um, in terms of the way people look and, um, what people do and how people are valued and what's important in life. And, uh, the food commercials, oh my God, I think they're completely like food hypnotism. They have like these, they'll have like a big something, some, whatever it is, a burger, a steak, whatever. And it'll be like really close up and it'll move really slowly. And it's like moist and like, oh, you know, it's like, it's total hypnotic technique, I believe. And I don't want to be hypnotized by fast food companies. So <laughs> I've got my, <laughs> I got my weight, but I try to, you know, I try to eat kind of healthily. So I don't want to be tempted by these, you know, these unhealthy foods. And I don't want to be tempted by unhealthy body images of, of both women and men. You know, I'd rather my reality be the people I actually see in real life because it's a lot different than what you see on the TV. But saying all that, I have let a few shows sneak back into my life through the internet. Um, I, I do have an account with Hulu.com and I do watch Glee and I watch Lie to Me. And what else do I watch? I watch House, which I probably really shouldn't watch because man, if you're looking at things that where <laughs> if you're looking at ways people don't act in real life and get away with house is like the number one jerk, but like he's a compelling character too. And I guess actually, I guess the nice thing about that is that you can experience the good parts of house without having to deal with all the BS that actually knowing that guy would carry. So I don't know. It's sort of a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, but most of the time I don't watch TV. I do listen to podcasts. I listen to, I listen to Rachel Maddow very faithfully, and sometimes I listen to Countdown, MSNBC's Countdown, mainly because he, he, uh, Keith Elberman carries the stories that Rachel Maddow doesn't. It's like they kind of split up the stories, and um, I kind of don't want to miss out, but I'm really a fan of Rachel Maddow and not so much of a fan of Countdown. Um, so anyway, and <laughs> now I've diverged into the whole television conversation but for the most part those are podcasts i just listen to i don't watch them um but for the most part i still try to avoid watching tv and the shows i do watch it'll be like one night a week i'll just watch my shows and then the rest of the time i you know live my life and surf the internet instead <laughs> um let's see what else can i tell you oh also um i think i mentioned in episode one or two that i'm a bit of a hoarder and I actually like how uh, Grey Wolf Moonsong described it in one of his episodes. Um, he described himself as a magpie and like, ooh, look, shiny. And that's kind of how I am. I just, ooh, I want to bring that back to my nest. And then I can't even find it later because I have so much other stuff. And um, I've been improving on that in my life. I'm uh, definitely 
not as much of, as a cons- of a consumer as I was back when the economy was better and I had more money. Um, but it's, it's, I, pre- I at least pretend to myself that that's an intentional choice as well. Um, but I am slowly just trying to let things go for my life. And that's just, uh, it's been a, about a five year process ever since I got divorced. I've been attempting to let go of things. And even before I got divorced, I was getting, getting rid of some stuff, but it's really hard. Okay. For the pagan renunciation topic, I so far have gotten no feedback. Uh, so if you'd like to drop me an email, I would love to read it on the podcast. Um, and I'm just all ears. I'm curious about other people's choices with that. Uh, these are my own thoughts. I've already mentioned before that I've got attention deficit. And I pretty much always have multiple projects going on at once. And a lot of times that means I never finish those projects or I go very slowly on those projects. Um, there's that saying, no, no servant can serve two masters and serve them both equally well or something like that. Well, I'm serving a lot more than two masters. Uh, almost every time I do a tarot reading on myself, I get the seven of cups, which is the card of illusion. I tend to think this card means that it only appears that my options are many, but if I don't choose a path or choose the right path and forsake all the other paths, then none of the paths are really open. I know there are a lot of different interpretations to that card, but that's generally what I think when I see it. Um, So the fact that comes up for me a lot and the fact that I do have a history of not I, you know, I don't, I don't think of myself exactly as a dabbler because I do come back to things. Uh, for example, with astrology, I will read everything I can possibly stand to read until my brain is full on astrology. And then I won't come back to it for about three years. And then I'll read everything, you know, by then the information will have sunk in and <laughs> I'll have room for more information. So I'll go back and I'll read more and I'll kind of get a better understanding. And I am certainly not an expert on astrology, but I feel like sort of a cyclical thing happens. Um, so I don't want to just insult myself and say I'm a dabbler, but I do think that there's something to be said for giving up some of your path paths in order to focus on fewer or perhaps one so that you can get really in there with that one. Um, let's see. Uh, so far in my own life, I haven't really practiced much pagan renunciation. Um, about five years ago, I did, I did give up having a TV in my house, which was a very explicit choice that I didn't want to waste my time with, you know, that sort of, sort of, uh, passive entertainment. And I also didn't want to be exposed to so many commercials. I really feel like, um, a lot of those commercials, really give you a false sense of normalcy, um, in terms of the way people look and, um, what people do and how people are valued and what's important in life. And, uh, the food commercials, oh my God, I think they're completely like food hypnotism. They have like these, they'll have like a big something, some, whatever it is, a burger or steak, whatever. And it'll be like really close up and it'll move really slowly. And it's like moist and like, Oh, you know, it's like, it's total hypnotic technique, I believe. And I don't want to be hypnotized by fast food companies. So I've got my, I got my weight, but I try to, you know, I try to eat kind of healthily. So I don't want to be tempted by these, you know, 
these unhealthy foods. And I don't want to be tempted by unhealthy body images of, of both women and men. You know, I'd rather my reality be the people I actually see in real life because that's a lot different than what you see on the TV. But saying all that, I have let a few shows sneak back into my life through the Internet. Um, I, I do have an account with Hulu.com, and I do watch Glee, and I watch Lie to Me. And what else do I watch? I watch House, which I probably really shouldn't watch because, man, if you're looking at things that were, if you're looking at ways people don't act in real life and get away with, House is like the number one jerk, but he, like he's a compelling character too. And I guess, actually, I guess the nice thing about that is that you can experience the good parts of House without having to deal with all of the BS that actually knowing that guy would carry. So I don't know. It's sort of a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, but most of the time I don't watch TV. I do listen to podcasts. I listen to, I listen to Rachel Maddow very faithfully. And sometimes I listen to countdown MSNBC's countdown mainly because he, he, uh, Keith Elberman carries the stories that Rachel Maddow doesn't. It's like they kind of split up the stories and, um, I kind of don't want to miss out, but, I'm really a fan of Rachel Maddow and not so much of a fan of Countdown. Um, so anyway, and <laughs> now I've diverged into the whole television conversation. But for the most part, those are podcasts I just listen to. I don't watch them. Um, but for the most part, I still try to avoid watching TV. And the shows I do watch, it'll be like one night a week. I'll just watch my shows. And then the rest of the time I, you know, live my life and surf the Internet instead. <laughs> Um, let's see. What else can I tell you? Oh, also, um, I think I mentioned in episode one or two that I'm a bit of a hoarder. And I actually like how uh, Grey Wolf Moonsong described it in one of his episodes. Um, he described himself as a magpie. And like, ooh, look, shiny. And that's kind of how I am. I just, ooh, I want to bring that back to my nest. And then I can't even find it later because I have so much other stuff. And, um, I've been improving on that in my life. I'm, uh, definitely not as much of, as a, cons of a consumer as I was back when the economy was better and I had more money. Um, but it's, it's, I, pre I at least pretend to myself that that's an intentional choice as well. Um, but I am slowly just trying to let things go from my life. And that's just, uh, it's been a, about a five year process, Ever since I got divorced, I've been attempting to let go of things. And even before I got divorced, I was getting, getting rid of some stuff. But it's really hard because I'm one of those people who has lots of feelings. And I have feelings about things that probably I shouldn't just, uh, you know, oh, I've had this since I was five. I have to keep it. Oh, you know, it's like I don't have, I didn't open the attached to it when I was five. But because it reminds me of being five, I want to keep it. So, um, you know. Things like that. So slowly, I suppose, I'm renouncing my things. Very slowly. But I don't know if that's... I do feel like it's part of my spiritual path. Um, but I I guess I can't call it pagan because I've only been a pagan for two years of the last five. So, um, And then again, I also uh, intentionally moved into my van with this whole idea that it was going to be like this romantic Walden experience and I was going to have this sort of like... Uh, some sort of amazing experience in this van and it was going to be an adventure and I was going to have to learn all this new survival skills. And 
I did very much enjoy living in the van, um, but it was tough too. And I like living in a place where there's plumbing and I'm glad I'm not living in my van right now. I do still have a bed in the van and I still enjoy sleeping in it. And I probably sleep in it about once a month because I drive down to the nearest city and visit friends pretty often and, uh, I'll sleep in the van. But anyway, what else can I tell you? All right. So I don't think I've actually purposefully from a pagan perspective done any renunciation, but from a spiritual perspective, I feel like there are things that I do that are sort of renunciation and that I'm choosing to not do some things in order for my life to be more full and meaningful. Um, but I would still love to hear, I kind of feel like in a way compared to other religious perspectives, I feel a little bit at this point in my life and maybe it's my fluffy bunny pagan stars in my eyes thing. But I feel a little bit like a kid in a candy store when it comes to paganism. And it's like, ooh, shiny everywhere. And, you know, I can't hoard pagan stuff. You know, like, I guess I could hoard pagan stuff. In fact, I have a dresser full of pagan things. Like, not, you know, candles and incense and that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, there is something to kind of choosing a path within paganism, which I'm not actually forcing myself to do yet until I finish the primer. Um but I am very, very attracted to a few different paths. So we'll see how it goes. But I definitely don't want to have things so full uh, that I, I never have the emptiness necessary to receive uh, wisdom or uh, inspiration. I really want that inspiration stuff. So I need my cup to be empty sometimes. Um, anyway, I'm going to slightly change the subject because I want to talk a little bit more about the Seven of Cups and uh, this meditation that I did that uh, I thought was really cool. I thought I'd share it. Um, so I recently did this meditation um, with uh, Durketto. Uh, it's, uh, she's a Syrian mermaid goddess as the object of the meditation. I don't know if you call it a meditation or path working or a ritual, whatever. But I, you know, went into the space where I was... I felt that I was speaking with Durketto about, I had a question for her about how stuck I feel in my life right now and, you know, what her, you know, what, what would she, what did she have to say to me about that? And in this meditation, um, the seven of cups sort of just cropped up immediately. And, but, um, she said, uh, she said that she basically advised me to, um, Stop looking at the card from the front of the card, but actually go around behind the card and um, learn how to master the art of illusion. So instead of thinking of myself as the, the chooser, looking at the cups and seeing which one is the right choice and trying to make it, which is sort of a, you know, very strict, you know, serious uh, linear sort of experience to, and I'm always faced with it. I'm always faced with this experience of feeling like I have to make this one choice and I have to make the right choice. And it feels very rigid and, um, a little frustrating to always be there. Um, but she was really recommending that I move behind the card and learn how to master the art of illusion where I could be able to present the options to other people so that I could help other people see like this door is open and this door is open and this door is open for you, you know, and, and sort of become the card instead of always considering it as 
a card that means that I'm stuck, that, you know, it would be actually more beneficial for me to take the lessons from the card that are positive, um, and, you know, really work on those things. And, um, you know, not to, and she, she actually said like, not to the point where you're like actively deceiving people, but where you can at least like present, like be more in control of your own presentation in your relationship with other people. And I thought that was really interesting, you know, and just that holding, holding possibility, holding, holding the power of possibility open for other people to see would actually be a gift that I could give them. Um, and rather than something that would maybe tempt them that wouldn't be good for them. So I don't know. I thought it was a really cool idea and that's still kind of bouncing around in my mind. Um, and she also told me that her, you know, her advice, her advice about that card wasn't really answering my question, but it was sort of the only advice that she had, uh, for me. But she told me, um, that I should really pay attention to my, um, to a dream I had about the North Star a long time ago. She said I should follow the advice of the North Star. And so I want to relate to you a dream that I had about 10 years ago um, about the North Star. And in my dream, the North Star was a woman. And she was talking to me. She was giving me advice. And as she was speaking, I could I could see what what she was describing. And she said that basically out of the future into the present, there's this rope hanging down. And, you know, as I was hearing it, I was seeing this sort of, this sort of like a funnel of, was a funnel? A tunnel. It was like a tunnel of clouds that was going up. And there was this rope just hanging down all the way to the ground. And on the rope, there were knots tied about once every foot. And she said that each knot represented an opportunity and that what I had been doing is I had been like picking up each knot and like looking at it and examining it, thinking about it, wondering if that's the one I want and maybe holding on to it lightly. But she said that the second that the future pulled on the rope and pulled it forward, I would let it just fall out of my hands. And she told me in, in the dream that it wasn't so important which not I chose, like which opportunity it was. It didn't even really matter that much. You know, it was, it was good to choose a good one, but it wasn't what I should be spending lots of time contemplating on and never making a decision about, but it was more important that I grab onto one and hold on tightly and that when the future jerked that I kept holding on uh, instead of letting go like I had been doing. Uh, and she said that would pull me into the future. And... um and in the dream, I felt myself grabbing onto a, a knot and being pulled through this tunnel of clouds into that future. And it was sort of like a birth canal kind of thing. It was really cool. Um, and so it's like the future is there no matter what. But it doesn't really matter which knot you choose. It's all on the same rope. You know, you're going, you're going there no matter what. So just like hold on. Don't get stuck, you know. So... I did at that time sort of follow her advice. Um, and at the time I was sort of, I was in college. I was trying to choose a major. I didn't know what to do with my life, whatever. And so I went ahead and I just chose the, you know, the quickest way out. Cause I'd changed majors like five times. I was English. First I was English. Then I was philosophy. Then I was textiles. Then I was biology. And then, <laughs> and then I went back to English and, I love English. I don't know why I ever left English, but 
Um, but so, and then I graduated, I got my little bachelor's in, in English. Um, and at that time, that was sort of the decision I was facing. But since then, I've, I, I definitely think about the dream a lot, but I've just sort of felt like I was pulled into that feature and, you know, now everything's cool, but it was a cool dream. But the fact that Durketto was like, no, you need to follow the North Star's advice. I kind of was like, oh yeah, I still need to be following that advice. I can't just like, you know, look at everything as an option and then never do anything. So, so anyway, um, I guess with that, I'm just going to hold on to the knot, the knot that I got in my hands right now, which I do have, um, which I don't want to talk too much about because it might affect me later in my career. But, um, but I do definitely hope to be in a certain type of teaching position, um, that I'm hoping will really benefit people. So, and that's exciting to me because I feel like, um, well, there's this, I don't think I quoted it before yet. It's only been three podcasts, so you'd think I'd know, but, um, there's this really awesome Ted talk, um, called, um, the, it was, I think it's called dangerous memes. Um, and I'm pretty sure I did mention this talk. I did, but in the talk, um, Dan, uh, Dan Dennett says that his bumper sticker response when people ask him what the meaning of life, life is, is he says, um, find something more important than yourself and then dedicate your life to it. And the knot that I'm holding on to right now, this ability to become an educator and to really help others, that's, that's the knot I'm holding on to and I'm not planning on letting it go. So that's my primary focus, but you know, I got to do a lot of stuff at once. So I'm doing a podcast too and doing the paganism too and I'm loving those things probably more than my, my training, but I know long-term when I wake up every morning and go to my job, that it's going to be the most important thing I could do with my day pretty much every day. So that's exciting to me. Anyway, I'm getting off track, not following my notes very closely. Um, let's see. Okay. Since I was talking about dreams, I thought I would share a recent dream with you guys. Um, because it was sort of one of those dreams that was profound. I mean, it was, it wasn't the North star, but it was, um, it was one of those dreams that didn't feel like it was really a dream. It felt like another kind of communication to me. Um, and that was, uh, well, first I should tell you, my grandfather is, um, slowly slipping away and as he deteriorates, he's now losing his memory. And this last Sunday I went to go see my grandparents and my granddad didn't know who I was anymore. So that was the first time that he didn't know who I was. And then a couple nights ago, um, I had a dream that I was helping my grandmother draw a bath for him. And, um, then, um, I helped him into the bathroom and he was leaning on my shoulder real heavily and he looked younger. He looked more like the person that I've known my whole life and not like this, you know, shrinking man that I've been watching, you know, almost bedridden over the last year or so. So, but he was like stronger and like younger and it was kind of interesting, but he was leaning real heavily on my arm, on my shoulder, um, and then he looked into my eyes and it was like so many kind of communications at once. And he realized in that moment that I knew the worst things about him 
Um, like I've, I found out some stuff about him that he doesn't know. I know, but in my dream, he looked into my eyes and he knew that I knew. And, um, he also knew it was okay. And he knew that I loved him and, um, he seemed relieved that I knew like it wasn't a secret anymore. And he hugged me and it felt like he was hugging me goodbye. And then he got into the bathtub and lay down. And in the dream, when he lay down in the bath, he left all that stuff behind. All the worries, all the guilt, all the heartache, all the anger, all the pain. Um, it, it, he just sort of shed, shed his life like a snake's skin. And then he got into the bath. And that was his death in my dream. Um, now, my grandfather is still alive. Um, he's really an obstinate person. Um, he was put in hospice care over a year ago and, and he hung on so long that they had to kick him out, um, cause he's still living. They thought he was going to die within six months and he's, it's been another six months now. We didn't think he'd make it till the Thanksgiving before this last one. And he's still, he's still with us and he's just a very, very obstinate man. Um, which, I mean, he's just very strong willed. Um, Anyway, um, I remember, okay, well, one thing, when he was a kid, he had lockjaw, um, which I guess is tetanus, and he was allergic to penicillin, so I guess they couldn't fix him, and and he almost died, and he was actually pronounced dead twice, but he was still alive, and he kept living, and he had a heart, he had a heart problem his whole life, and he's still alive, and he's in his, like, mid to late eighties. Um, but I have this memory once when I was a kid, I was trying to learn palmistry and this, uh, friend of mine had taught me like this really basic palmistry that maybe isn't what they say in the books or whatever. I think it's just whatever her mother taught her. Um, but I tried to read his palm and, um, when I looked at his palm, I was like shocked because he, he didn't have a lifeline. I was like, granddaddy, you don't have a lifeline. And like, without skipping a beat, he leaned down and he said in this real sinister voice. And he said, that's because I'm an alien. <laughs> so that was kind of funny, but, um, he's an interesting guy and, um, it'll be really weird when he's gone. And I guess I'm beginning to feel like he's gone, even though he's still here just because he's not, his memory is slipping. You know, hopefully he still remembers his wife, but I don't know what's next once he stops remembering his children. And if I'm his Ariel, and this is A Witch's Primer. Basic training in non-denominational witchcraft. You can find our podcast episodes on iTunes or at magiccraft.com. That's M-A-G-I-C dash C-R-A-F-T dot com. Blessed be.
Grab a pitchfork, light a torch, and open your mind. Hi, I'm Firelight, inviting you to join me as I question conventional thinking and light a fire under what makes us comfortable. I'm tearing down tradition and taking a hard look at what makes society tick on my podcast, Inciting a Riot. Join the riot through iTunes or incitingariot.com. Until then, enjoy this excellent pagan podcast, Inciting a Riot, lighting a fire under comfortable thinking. Hello, my name is Dave the Bard and I'm the host of Druidcast, the podcast of the Order of Bards, Ovates and Druids. Each month we present a wonderful selection of music, poetry and story, plus an interview or presentation by one of the leading teachers within the Western mystery traditions. In the past we've had Philip Cargon. Nir Bashir, an Indian palmist, publishes a story called The Book of Shadows, which uh, apparently Gardner got his idea for... Uh, rather than calling uh, the book the grimoire, he calls it the book of shadows and so on. Professor Ronald Hutton. Too often the horned god of nature can be turned into a simple force of hoof and horn and grain and grunt and thrust and lurch and armpits and the men's locker room rather than of the intellect, the tongue with words, the speeder of thought, the creator of beautiful delicate things. Ellen Everett Hopman. Hello, Helen. Hello, and I'm sitting here in my oak forest in western Massachusetts. <laughs> Your oak forest. On I live house. in an oak forest. I do. Oh, you really do? I really do. Oh, okay. <laughs> ah. Timothy Freak. And the Gnostics, I think, are particularly clear with it, or they speak to me very clearly, which is, here we are in this perpetual, ever-changing moment where the appearances are constantly changing but something is present the same consciousness itself we have fallen into the mirror of life and identified with the appearance rather than what is witnessing Fionn Tulach One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given by a traditional storyteller was don't tell a story unless you believe in it with every fibre of your being Christopher Hughes But I've often sort of heard as well that you know, and especially of late, that Druidry is a celebratory tradition, and that's it. End of full stop. But I quite disagree wholeheartedly that it's not just a celebratory tradition. Not only is it a way of life, it's a tradition that not only empowers and transforms, but is steeped in magic, steeped in a quality that supersedes any human concept. So if you're a modern druid, Wiccan, witch, Celtic, Christian, pagan, or just interested in nature spiritualities, tune in to Druidcast each month. You can find us on iTunes or on our website at www.druidry.org. Hello again. I just wanted to touch on Yule because I doubt I'll get another episode out before it happens, and hopefully I'll get this one out before it happens. 
I'm not sure yet what I'm doing for Yule, except that I'm going to burn my Yule creature. Last year, my dad and I found a nice oak log to put in the Yule fire, and uh, the idea was to keep a piece in the house, a piece from that log in the house, all year this year to help to protect the house. Um, the piece that was left wasn't just a log. He shaped like a creature, uh, a bit like a goat or a deer or something like that. Um, he's been keeping me company all year, but his time is almost at an end, and I am going to miss him, but he is going in the Yule Fire. Uh, he's going to be the one of the first things in the Yule Fire, you know, aside from kindling and stuff. Um, let's see. My partner is out of classes, and I'm hoping this week we can go, go on a hunt for a Yule Log for this year. Um, and then we'll have ourselves a, a fire and just, you know, revel. I don't know the details of our plans yet beyond that, except that I hope that um, I get to keep a piece of this year's Yule Log um, the same as I did last year. Uh, one of my favorite childhood books is the uh, part of the Brambley Hedge series, which is it's this like cute little children's series with these really cute illustrations about I guess they're sort of field mice, but they live in trees, and the trees are all carved out, so all the the, the illustrations are just really neat. Um, but anyway, my memory of this book um, is uh, there's a there's a book called The Secret Staircase, which is part of this series. And in this book, there is um, a Yule log, I remember. And also there's this little poem that the protagonists are trying to uh, re remember so they can recite it at the Yule revel that night. And um, I don't remember it. I know it starts out something like, when the nights are the longest and the days are the coldest, something like that. Um, but if anybody happens to have The Secret Staircase, uh, Brambley Hedge book, I would love to know what the what the poem actually is, because I think it might be kind of pagan, and I would like to hear it. And if I can ever find it, and it is as good as I remember it from childhood, uh, I'll probably try to incorporate it into my Yule rituals in the future once I have my hands on it. Uh, this year, because I don't have a little chant or a poem, I would like to go ahead and read to you two other poems regarding this time of year. The first one is Little Tree by E.E. E. Cummings, and the second one is The Darkling Thrush by Thomas Hardy. Little Tree is about a Christmas tree, but I think of them as pretty pagan in general. And then The Darkling Thrush was written by Thomas Hardy at the closing of the 19th century, and it's just one of my favorites. Um, so here we go. This is uh, Little Tree by E.E. E. Cummings. Little Silent Christmas Tree, you are so little. You are more like a flower. Who found you in the green forest, and were you very sorry to come away? See, I will comfort you, because you smell so sweetly. I will kiss your cool bark, and hug you safe and tight, just as your mother would. Only don't be afraid. Look, the spangles that sleep all the year in a dark box, Dreaming of being taken out and allowed to shine. The balls, the chains, red and gold, the fluffy threads. Put up your little arms, and I'll give them all to you to hold. Every finger shall have its ring, and there won't be a single place dark or unhappy. Then, when you are quite dressed, you'll stand in the window for everyone to see. And how they'll stare. Oh, but you'll be very proud. 
and my little sister and I will take hands, and looking up at our beautiful tree, will dance and sing Noel, Noel. Okay, so that was the first one. And if you're still with me, um, here is Thomas Hardy's The Darkling Thrush, which Thomas Hardy's the dark, he's a dark fellow, which I like about him. He's sort of depressing, but I love him for it. I lint upon a coppice gate when frost was spectre gray, and winter's dregs made desolate the weakening eye of day. The tangled vine stems scored the sky like strings of broken lyres, and all mankind that haunted nigh had sought their household fires. The land's sharp features seemed to be the century's corpse outlent. His crypt the cloudy canopy, the wind his death lament. The ancient pulse of German birth was shrunken hard and dry, and every spirit upon earth seemed fervorless as I. At once a voice arose among the bleak twigs overhead, and a full-hearted evensong of joy illimited. An aged thrush, frail, gaunt, and small, and blast-beruffled plume, had chosen thus to fling his soul upon the growing gloom. So little cause for carolings of such ecstatic sound was written on terrestrial things afar or near around, that I could think there trembled through his happy good-night air some blessed hope whereof he knew, and I was unaware. And that does it for this episode of Witchling Wandering. You can find the Facebook page by searching Witchling Wandering, and you can find the blog at witchlingwandering.wordpress.com. Also, I would really uh, like to repeat my encouragement to you to check out paganpodcastforums.com and go ahead and sign up. Um, I think it would be like a beautiful thing. Um, and I just love to see you there. Additionally, you can send me emails at Zarzamora Star Dragon at Yahoo.com. That's Z A R Z A M O R A and then Star Dragon, just how it sounds, at Yahoo.com. Blessed be y'all until next time. <laughs>